You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. So some of you guys know Michael, some of you don't. Uh, Michael's been part of the church for a couple of years here. I know he's probably going to share more of that. Has sensed and felt a desire to preach uh, for, for quite a while. And uh, is actually been dreaming lately about kicking off a youth gospel community, maybe come this next August after school starts coming back in. And so, uh, real excited to see Michael preach this evening. He's going to be in the book of Deuteronomy. It should be good. His prayer is that he lasts longer than 15 minutes. I bet we can make that happen for him. And uh, I'm just excited to see what, what God says through him. Super blessed and stoked, Michael, to be a part of your life. Uh, told that story about us riding our motorcycles back from that conference this last year a number of times to a number of different people. Almost died, um, didn't die. Thankful Michael was there. It was good. It was a good ride on our bikes. Um, but real excited to hear you preach. It's been great to sit down with you the last couple of weeks and look at the text that you're getting to dive into. And so I want to pray for you, and then, then you can just take the stage, and it's all yours. Cool? Yeah. All right. Hey, God, thanks for Michael, and thanks for your word. Lord, thanks for the opportunity to come together tonight and just um, gather together. Um, to hear from your word, to worship together, um, to just share stories of life together and how you're doing work in our lives as well as our needs. God, thank you for that. But thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you reveal yourself to us through your word. And God, I pray for Michael now as he gets ready to preach, as he steps into the pulpit, God, that you would just fill him with your spirit, that you would lead him, that you would place your words in his mouth. And God, I pray that you would do a ton of work deep in our hearts through your work through him. So God, just pray that. Thank you for Michael. Thank you for giving to him to us as a friend and a fellow member of the body of Christ. So I pray that you just be with him and be in, in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Michael. Thanks, man. How's everybody doing? Like Joe said, I'm Michael. Um, I started coming to the well about two years ago. Um, not long after that, I started helping out with media production, and which is like our sound tech and our our PowerPoint stuff, and um, about a year I've been a leader in that, kind of overseeing, um, oh, the scheduling of who's on that, and um, kind of taking over the soundboard stuff, um, and three weeks ago I came to Joe and I said, hey Joe, if you let me start a youth ministry, I will get up and I will preach in front of everybody. So that's why I'm up here. <laughs> so um, we are in the book of Deuteronomy tonight, um, one or uh, chapter one, verses 19 through 33. If everybody wants to turn there with me. Then we set out from Horeb and went through all that great and terrifying wilderness that you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and take possession, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Then all of you came near me and said, Let us send men before us, that they may explore the land for us and bring us word again the way by which we must go up and the cities into which we shall come. 
the thing seemed good to me. And I took 12 men from you, one man from each tribe. And they turned and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eskel and spied it out. And they took in their hands some of the fruit of the land and brought it down to us and brought us word again and said, this is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. Yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, and our hearts melt, saying, "The people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. And besides, we have seen the sons of Anakim there. And I said to you, do not be in dread of or afraid of them. Lord your God, who goes before you, will fight for you, just as he did for you in, in Egypt before your eyes, and in the wilderness. We have seen how the Lord your God carried you." As a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God. He went before you in the way to seek out a place to pitch your tents. In fire by night and in cloud by day. To show you by what way you should go. Let me pray. Dear Lord, um, I just thank you for bringing all these people here. Bringing all of us here. For uh, this message that you that you set in front of me to to preach them, Lord God, um, I pray that you you make my my points uh, um, clear, Lord God, and I I pray that I that as I preach tonight, I preach preach what you would have me preach, Lord God. Um, I I pray that uh, everyone's hearts are open here to hear what you have to say, Lord. Everyone's minds are are open to to your word and 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 uh, I thank you for your presence here tonight, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Um. So I'll start out just kind of asking this question. Why do we struggle with what God asks us to do? Like, think of think of a time when when you've been faced with with great struggle, and just think about those things. Think about what you've told yourself about God in those moments. What what has caused you to to stiff arm God in those moments? Selfishness, fear. Just think about that as I as I move through this message. Um, when I was about 14, 15 years old, I found out for the first time I was going to be an uncle. Um, partway through that, through my my older sister's pregnancy, they found out. The baby had um, Anna, Anna, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but it's Anna, Anna Celephacy, or Anna Celeph, I don't know. It's, it's a disease where, or it's, it's, um, 
the baby doesn't develop right, the top of their head, the top of their skull, and the top of their brain won't develop. And her name was Amelia Renee. And I remember that. I remember going through that and just, you know, I grew up in the church and we were in church every Sunday. And going through that, I don't know if I ever told anybody how much that affected me, but it was like all those things you hear people say about God, like I didn't believe God was real. Because how, how do you let that happen to someone who, you know, my sister's such a sweet girl and such a, and just, and I remember the funeral. She f- carried the baby full term. And I just remember the funeral and I was a palm barrel and the box was this big, by that wide, and it was just me and my brother. You know, palm bearers, the person's supposed to be you know, 80 years old, 7 years old. It takes six people to do it. It took me and my brother. And I just, I remember that. And just, I finally came to the conclusion in my mind that God existed. He had to exist. But I didn't want to have anything to do with Him. Because how could you let that happen? And as I go through this, just think about those times when you've struggled come back to it at the end of the message. Um, we, reading through this, the Israelites had just come out of Egypt. Um, they've spent the last few hundred years there as slaves. Like, they were being killed, they were being murdered by the Egyptians. And God came to Moses and He said, He told Moses, Go tell Pharaoh to let your people go. And Moses did. Pharaoh didn't listen. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And a lot of people, well, I've, I've had people ask me, why did God harden Pharaoh's heart? God hardened Pharaoh's heart so, so he could come back and he could do these miracles so his people would understand who he was. After, after God did all those things, Pharaoh finally got fed up and he said, you guys can go. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And we come to him here. They've been traveling through the wilderness. God tells them, go, go to the land I promised you. Go take it. So if we look at verses 19 through 21, Moses tells us, well, if we look at verses 19 through 25, Moses tells us what God commanded, and he tells us what Israel's response to those commands were. God told Israel to leave and go. This is his first commandment in this. He told them to leave where they were at and go to this place. And we set out from Horeb and went through all that great and terrifying wilderness that you saw 
on the way to the whole country of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us. God told them to go up and take possession. And I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God has given us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and take possession, as the Lord God of your fathers has told you. God commanded them, do not fear or be dismayed. That, that word, dismayed, that's an interesting word. I, uh, I looked up the definition of it. The definition is a sudden or complete loss of courage or utter disheartenment. He's telling them, go up there, do what I tell you to do, and don't turn around and run. Israel's response to these commands, they said, well, we don't want to go in right away. Let's send 12 people ahead and let's look at it. Let's, let's see how it is. And those 12 people came back and they said, what's a good land? You know, they brought them fruit. And they said, this is good. But Did they really respond in obedience to God's commands? Like, think about that. Did they really respond to obedience to His commands? God didn't tell them, go and spy it out. He said, go and take possession. He didn't say, go and, and you know, go and fiddle your thumbs and think about it for a while. He said, go and take possession. Like, they all came together and they agreed that the land was good. They said, this is good land the Lord is giving us. But they, they still sat on it. They still didn't want to go and take possession. If we go down to verses 26 and 28, Israel rebelled. Yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. If they had listened to what God had told them in the first place, they wouldn't have feared. If they would have went in and taken possession, like the God had told them. Israel disobeyed by murmuring. And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, He brought us out of the land of Egypt. The Lord brought them out of slavery. And He's giving them this great land He's telling them to go take possession, and they say, no, we we'd rather go be slaves because these people are too big for us to fight. They listen to, to the people around them. Right? Do not fear, be dismayed. Israel, they, we're, we are going up. Our brothers have, have made our hearts melt. They've made their hearts melt in fear. We, we move down to uh, verses 29 through 33. Look at what Moses said to Israel. He confronts their fear. He says, do not be in dread or afraid of them. He reminds them of what God has done. Lord your God goes before you 
who will himself fight for you, just as he did in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness. Like they had seen God do all these things, right? Like he carried them through Egypt, he fed them. Even after this, even after this, they were stranded for 40 years in the wilderness. And for those 40 years, they never had a shoe wear out. The clothes on their backs never wear out. We can't make it a year without the soles of our shoes wearing out. And God did these things for them. Like even in their punishment, He still treated them like sons and daughters. And they still struggled in unbelief. Moses confronts their unbelief. Yet in spite of this, you would not believe in the Lord your God. Right? Like, God had done all these great things for them. God was in their presence every single day. Like literally. He led them in a cloud of smoke by day and in fire by night. In a pillar of fire by night. God was there. They didn't... When God's presence... If you go back in the, into the Old Testament, when God's presence was in the temp, or in the tabernacle, they didn't leave. But when God, when God went up in His pillar of smoke, they followed Him. Like they were in His presence every day. And they still could not grasp who He was. Moses reminds them again. He went before you in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tents in fire by night and cloud by day, show you what way you should go. What does it look like for you to be confronted in your disobedience? What's your reaction to that? Right? I had uh, someone I would call a great, a great brother not very long ago. He asked us to, to hold him to his convictions. But he hid in his convictions. He tried to hide us from him. He wasn't open about him. And when people found out and they confronted him, he's like, what, what is it your business to be telling me what to do? Like, what does that look for you? Like, someone comes up to you, says, hey man, What's going on in your life? I love you, but this isn't right what you're doing. Like, what's your response to that? Like, shut up. Leave me alone. You have no idea. Or is it, you're right. I could probably be doing some things better. You know, sit down and pray with me. Sit down and talk to me about it. What is exactly that you see in my life that's not right? Right? Like, have them bring it back to Scripture. If you think what they're telling you is not right, and say, okay, let's sit down, and you show me in Scripture where, this, where it tells me I'm wrong. What does that look like for you to be confronted with disobedience? What does God command us today as Christians? What does that look like? If we turn to Ephesians, if everybody wants to turn to Ephesians with me. Ephesians 4.
Go to Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. Now this I say and testify in the Lord. This is Paul talking. No longer walk as Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensual, sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to, be, and to put on, new self, on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. Right? Like, we look at some of those commands, or some of those things Paul tells us we should do, like, put off your old self. What does that look like, to put off your old self? Right? Was that, you, where, what's your old self? What does that look like, to put off your old self? Put on your new self. Put away falsehood, speak truth. What does that look like for you to speak truth into your brother's life? Into each other's lives? Like you see a brother who's struggling. What does that look like for you to go up to him and speak truth into his situation? Give no opportunity to the devil. Don't put yourself in those situations. Right? Don't put yourself in those situations where, the, where you're compromised and where the devil has easy access to you your hearts and your minds. Don't steal, work, and share what you earn. Put in an honest work. Right? Like, give back to the church. You know, you see the family down the street struggling. Work hard. Earn that money so you have something to give to those people that are struggling. No corrupting talk. Right? You know you have that brother that's struggling. That's dealing with things. Don't go behind his back and talk about him. Go to his face and say, hey, speak truth into his life. 
No bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander. Don't be bitter about things. Don't wish hurt on other people. You know, don't go go to bed angry. Don't let the sun set on your anger, right? Like, don't clamor, right? Like, don't talk behind your brother's back. Like I said, go to his face. Be kind to each other. Same principle. Let's come to each other and speak truth in each other's lives. Let's be honest with with each other. Right? You have someone struggling with an addiction. Somebody struggling in deep personal issues. Go to them and talk to them. Be kind to one another. Forgive as Christ forgave us. Like, how hard is that? Like, I know I had a sister I didn't talk to, or I barely talked to, for almost eight years. Because I felt hurt. It's so hard to forgive her for what she had, for what I felt was unforgivable. Forgive one another. As Christ forgave us. Like, you see the picture of Christ on the cross. He did that for us. So we didn't have to suffer in our sin. Right? Like we deserve to be up there. We deserve to hang on that cross. We deserve to have that crown of thorns stuck on our head. We fail to remember that that God carried us like sons. Right, we go back to that verse. He carried you as he carried you as a man carries his son. We fail to remember who God is and what He's done for us, what He can do. We forget that because Jesus has taken every single sin we have committed and will commit, we are set free from our old lives and no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to Christ. We forgot we forget that God is with us in everything. We often live like we're still stuck in slavery, like we're still walking through the wilderness. Guess what, guys? We're in the we're in the promised land. If you believe Christ has set you free, if you believe Christ died on that cross for you, you're walking in the promised land. The Holy Spirit is alive in you. set you free from the sin of your old life. Did we know what was waiting in the promised land for the Israelites? I guess the whole reason they were scared to go in. You know why they were waiting? Because there was war and struggle. But guess what? God was there to fight with them. They were going to get the land, but they were scared of the struggle it took. Right? That's... I'm not going to promise you that because you accept Christ in your life, everything's going to be easy. Because it's not. You're still going to struggle. But it's, you have, God is there to fight with you. Christ is there with you. The Holy Spirit is alive in you to bring wisdom into every situation. 
because Christ was beaten for me. Because the crown of thorns that should have been mine He took. Because those nails that should have been placed in my hands and feet were placed in His. Because He died in my place, I'm set free from those sins. Because of everything He did, the Holy Spirit is alive in me. And because Him, I've been given the strength to battle and war against those sins. There's no sin. Those sins don't define who we are. They don't define who I am. They don't define who you are. My identity is in Christ. Your identity is in Christ. If you're here today and you call yourself a Christian, you truly believe that Christ was crucified for your sins and He rose again so that you could be in heaven with Him. We come back to that question. Why do we struggle with what God asks us to do? Why do you struggle? Like, take that through the week. Like, answer that for yourself. Why do you struggle? What do you believe in those times of struggle? What do you believe about God? I know when when that happened with my sister, you know, I I didn't believe God existed. You know, and then I, like I said, I told myself He does exist, but I don't have anything to do with Him. Because how can a God let something like that happen? How can a loving God let something like that happen? It took me seven or eight years to get out of that. I came to the well. I came to to this church because my dad would beat on my door every Sunday morning and say, are you going to church with us? One morning I didn't have any other excuse but to say, oh great. And it wasn't the preaching. It was the music. And hearing the music and hearing hearing that worship and just feeling the Holy Spirit move over me. And it brought me it almost brought me to tears. Like you think of the song How He Loves Us. Think about that for a second. How he loves us. Like that song should bring you to tears. Just think of think of his love. Think of his love for us. Like, how many people in the world would you die for? And Christ died for every single one of us. It's almost unimaginable how much He loves us. Like, it's so hard to think about. Like, I know I'm not a great person. But God loves me. Right? Just go go this week just kind of asking yourself that sh- that question. Why do you struggle? I go to a brother and say, "Hey, I struggle." Go to a sister and say, "Hey, 
Like practice these things that he tells us in Ephesians. Let me close in prayer as our music team comes back forward. God, I just I thank you for this this message you've placed before me, Lord. I thank you for these people here that they're willing to to come forward and hear this message, God. I thank you for the love that you've given us, Lord God. That through everything that we've done, through everything that we could do, Lord, that you love us and you're willing to forgive us. God, I just... I pray for help in my convictions, Lord God. That you would bring those brothers and those sisters forward to speak truth into my life, Lord. And that I might be able to do the same to others. And we as a church, we as a whole, can come together and do that for one another, God. I thank you so much for your love and your grace, Lord. Amen. Thanks, Michael. Good job. Thank you. And so I think as I'm listening to Michael preach, as I'm listening to him talk, as I'm and I'm grasping what the Holy Spirit is saying through him. And I just think you're super faithful with what the Lord gave you. Like those two questions that Michael wrestled with, like what do you struggle with and what do you believe about God in those moments when you struggle? Those were like the two questions that I know Michael wrestled with from the get-go when looking at these passages. And so I just, I want to kind of come alongside as a help to really drive that in too and to just really say, when you struggle, what is it that you're really believing about God? Well, you put yourself in the shoes of the Israelites, then put yourself in the shoes of the people that Paul is speaking to in Ephesians. And when Moses is talking to the Israelites, he's saying, hey, here's who you were, and here's who, you, here's, here's, here's who where you were, and here's where God is taking you, and here's how you have responded and reacted throughout all this. And the reality for Israel is that the issue was what they believed about God. I mean, think about this. If, if this is you, if you think that, that God is just the... Like, like, like the guy you can go to when you have issues, but when things aren't, when things are okay, then, well, screw God. Like, I'm on my own now. I'm fine. When you got problems, you're back, right? Like, we treat God this way, or, or maybe, or maybe uh, something we believe about God is, um, or hey, God, God only allows good things to happen. Like, like Michael really wrestled with that. Like, how does a good and loving God allow bad things to happen? Can we see the goodness of God even through? the tough seasons of our lives, when it's out of our control, when, when the things that we're struggling with isn't necessarily a product of my sin, but it's a product of somebody else's sin or, or just the product of, of sin, period, and brokenness in our life, the way we respond and the way we struggle in those seasons is an indicator, like a thermometer, 
of what we actually believe about God. Do you, do you want God to be like Santa Claus? Well, here's the thing. If, that, if that's the picture you and I see of God, he's going to let us down every time because that's not who God is, right? I love the statement that Michael made that even in discipline and punishment, God was still loving his people. But that was a great statement, a great phrase. <clears throat> I love how this was brought back to the cross of Christ. That that cross was meant for you and I because of our disobedience, because of our rebellion, because of our murmuring, because of our inability to trust, because of our decision not to follow God's commandments. That cross was meant for us. That crown of thorns was meant for us. That beating that Christ took was meant for us. He took what we deserved. This is the reason that we practice communion at the end of every service. Our hope is that the preaching of God's word would drive every one of us back to the picture of the cross. Back to the message of the gospel. Back to the picture that Christ's blood has been poured out for every one of us in this room. That his body was broken brutally for every one of us. And so then as we come and as we take communion, it's actually an act of obedience because Jesus commanded us to partake in communion as a way of remembering the message of the gospel, as a way of celebrating the message of the gospel, as a way of celebrating his obedience and our disobedience. Like the fact that Jesus did everything that we could never do and that by our trust and our faith in him, we could be made right. That's the reason for communion. And so the communion elements are here near the front. There'll be two people near the front that will be here to serve the, the bread for you. And there'll be some here to serve the juice to you as well. The juice will be on the, on the table in little cups. And so as you come, grab your piece of bread from the server and then go ahead and grab your cup of juice. Take that right there on the spot, put the cup back in place. If you have children, please help them so that we don't spill it on the floor. But as you come and before you come, my hope is that you would think about this message that Michael just preached in our midst. Think about your struggle. Think about your struggle with obedience to God's word. Every one of us in this room is, is, is not separated from that. Every one of us struggles to believe. And as you think about that struggle to believe and struggle to obey, I want you to think about Christ's obedience as he went to the cross for you and I, for enemies, so that we could become children. So I want you to think about that before you come, but then come as the Lord leads you. Let me pray for us. Father, thanks for this message this evening. Thanks for the message of the cross. Thank you for the opportunity to take communion together and to worship together. God, I pray that you would just be in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand with me and let's worship. Come as you're ready. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.